I wish you could see me now. I wish I could show you how. I'm not who I was. You may have heard this song before. These are the lyrics to an old Christian song from some years ago uh, and very fitting in light of our sermon topic today. Uh, this is the Apple music, so the background music of every Christian here today and around the world, that you and I are not who we used to be, yeah. that God has saved us, sanctified us, and is sanctifying us, and will one day glorify us. So Romans 8.30 speaks to that. And praise God that he has begun this work, amen? Amen. amen that he is continuing this work and that he will complete this work. So with that, if you have a Bible, let me get you to turn to Philippians 1, 6, as that's where we're going to be. If you need a Bible, feel free to grab one from the connect table there. Uh, we have some Bibles there that you can use. And if you need a Bible, you can take that one. Before we dive in, let me ask God for his help again. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this afternoon. I thank you for how you've already been working uh, by your spirit in our time together. Lord, how you've been working through the singing, through the praying, through the reading of your word. And now, God, I ask that you do the same through the preaching of your word. God, I pray that that, that we've all, as we've been yet yeah, worshiping you uh, and coming to this time, this moment to worship you, I pray that we've come with expectant hearts, that you would do something among us, you would move among us, God. That none of us would leave the same way that we came in. God, we want to have a greater affection for you, a greater love for you, greater desires for you. We want to please you, God. We want to know you more. So Lord, please do that in our time now as we hear from your word, God. Would you increase and I decrease, I pray. Would your word do the work in all of our hearts in every way that you see fit for your glory? We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So Philippians 1, verse 6, reads as follows. It says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. This is God's word. Amen? Amen. 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 So just a little bit of context before we dive in more. Uh, the Apostle Paul is the author of this letter. Uh, and at the time of pinning this letter, at the time of writing this letter, he's in prison. Uh, he's locked up. He was arrested for preaching Christ. So he's writing to the church at Philippi, which is located in modern-day Greece, and this letter has many things, but one of the main things is joy, right? I mean, think about it. Paul was locked up. He's in prison, being persecuted for Jesus, and he writes to a church, the church at Philippi, who I'm sure were worried about him, who I'm sure were stressing about him, that he's been locked up for the cause of Christ, and also probably afraid of what may come to them. And one of the main themes that Paul writes in this book is joy. 
Let that sink in for a moment. In a moment where it's not so joyful for him. What this does for us, what this reminds us from Paul, is that in some of the worst of times, in moments of suffering and pain, even when our lives are threatened, like Paul's life was threatened and then, and then eventually taken, when we lose loved ones, when we care for loved ones, in the midst of all of that, we can still experience joy. In the hardest of times, we can still experience joy. The joy of the Lord can be our strength in those moments of weakness. If I had to summarize this text, it may go something like this if you're taking notes. It says, be assured that God began a work in you and will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. This is what the text is telling us. This is the main idea. Two points this afternoon, which is this main idea broken down. Point one, be assured that God began a good work in you. Number two, be assured that God will complete this good work in you. Be assured of these two things this afternoon. Let's look at the first one together. Point one, be assured that God began a good work in you. Look back with me at the text. It says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Notice with me that Paul starts off the verse with great confidence, right? With assurance that something will happen, that it's going to it's going to come to pass that he has confidence in. Why is it that Paul has this type of confidence? Well, I think a, a, a better question is, who does he have this type of confidence in? We see that in the next few words. We find our answer that he who began a good work in you. Who is the he? Well, it's God. We see that based on the context of the passage, as in verse 3, Paul addresses God as the person who he is thanking and praying to for the church at Philippi. What is it that God did? What is it that God was going to do? Well, he began a good work in the Philippian saints. He's begun a good work in CHCC, the saints here and saints all around the world that have gathered today. The good work Paul is referring to is the work of salvation. And indeed, it is a good work. It's the best work, amen? That God could start in you, Christian, in me. The good God, through the good news of the gospel, began a good work in you, in me. God the Father is the initiator of this good work. We saw this in our last sermon on biblical election, if you were here. And it connects with our topic on sanctification this afternoon, right? That God chose us, he predestined us, and he adopted us. This is Ephesians 1, 4-6. This was the passage I preached on when we looked at biblical election. It says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, 
to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Before you, Christian, before me, before we could do anything bad, before we could do anything good, God chose you before the foundation of the world. He chose us in him, in Christ. And that choosing has a purpose, as we looked at at the text weeks ago. That purpose is to be holy, to be blameless, to be set apart for God, that he predestined us for adoption to himself. I alluded to this text in the introduction of the sermon, but, but here in Romans 8, 29-30 as well, that speaks to this. It says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Ephesians 1.13, just to add to it. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Christian, if you've believed upon Jesus alone for salvation, you can be sure that God has begun this work in you. You can be sure, you can have assurance this afternoon that God has started this work in you, you and I are not who we once were. We've been changed. You and I at one time loved our sin and we hated Jesus. Now we hate sin. We strive to rid ourselves of all the sin in our lives, trusting in Christ to, to clean us up, to cleanse us of all our sin. And now we adore Jesus. We love Jesus. And if you do sin, and you and I will, this isn't a license to sin, right? But when we do, and if we do, we have many truths in Scripture that serve to remind us of our new identity and assure us of this good work that God has begun in us. Let these truths, as you hear them, wash over you this afternoon. Listen to them. Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.38-39. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Nothing can separate you, Christian. You are sealed to the day of redemption. Ephesians 1.13, as I read before. 1 John 1, nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Amen. 1 John 2, 1-2. Two, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation, which means our substitute for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. 
Let these truths wash over us this afternoon to refresh us, to remind us, ah, this is, this is good news. This is good news. This is what God did in you, in me, Christian. This is what God has granted to us, himself, a right relationship with him. Forgiveness and freedom from sin, from guilt, from shame, and the penalty of our sin, which is death, judgment. Now, something that this topic brings up, you may have been thinking about this, you may not have been thinking about this, but what this might bring up for us is God's sovereignty and human responsibility, right? In other words, God alone saves the sinner and is in control over every aspect of the sinner's salvation. So this is God's sovereignty, right? His divine sovereignty in salvation and in human responsibility. And something I want to add to that, just to, just to say, is that, that the, the two are closely related. When you look at Scripture, the two are, they aren't opposed to one another. Divine sovereignty and human responsibility work together in God's sovereign plan in salvation. You may be wondering if you had something to do with your salvation. The answer to that would be no. You didn't. God alone is the one who saves. God chose you and I unto salvation. This is what God has done. Ephesians 1.4 again, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. John 15, verse 16, Jesus speaking to the disciples there, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide. John 6, 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. I will raise him up on the last day. Psalm 3, familiar one. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Selah. Last one, and I love this one. You've heard me reference this one in a few sermons previously. Love this passage. It just speaks to the God-centeredness of God's work in salvation. Some of you guys may even know what I'm about to say. Ezekiel 36. 25 to 27, it says, and just notice, listen to, to the God-centeredness of this passage of God being in total and full control over our salvation. It says, I, this is God, so every I is God, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Over and over, saints, the Bible is clear. <laughs> the Bible is clear that, that God alone saves. That is his work solely and completely. This even includes our responses to this glorious salvation. Yes, we are called to respond in repentance and faith, but God is even sovereign in our responding. 
God, through his sovereign work in salvation, has caused us to respond in repentance and faith. You and I didn't repent and believe in him in and of ourselves. No, we were wooed by the Holy Spirit. We were, yeah, as Ezekiel 36 makes it clear that he caused us to walk in his ways. That he put his spirit in us. So listen to John 16, verse 8. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, right? It says, and when he comes, talking about the Holy Spirit, he, the Holy Spirit, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So when we heard this good news of the gospel, we were confronted with our sin in the face of a holy God. We were convicted of that. We were like, Isaiah, woe is me. At that moment where the Holy Spirit convicted us of our sin and caused us to repent and turn away from our sin. Romans 2.4, God's kindness leads us to repentance. It says, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? God, even in his kindness, even in his goodness, even in his grace, his love, the reality, the fact of who he is, and, and being, yeah, yeah, enamored with that should lead us to repentance. His presence, his goodness alone, leading us to repentance. We've been saved by grace alone through faith alone, which is a gift from God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. The entire saving experience is a gift from God. From start to finish. A gift from God. It's like if I were to give one of you a million dollars and say you have to pay me back in interest one day that wouldn't be a gift, would it? If I gave you a million dollars and I asked you to pay me back with interest one day, that wouldn't be a gift. That's not a gift. But if I give it to you and I don't have a million dollars, you have a million dollars. But if I give it to you, give it to the glory of God. Uh, but if I give it to you and I'm not looking for anything in return, no strings attached, that would be a gift. That would be a gift. Nothing you can earn freely given to you. And this is how God has granted you and I salvation. He's given it to you freely. He's given it to me freely. No strings attached. We couldn't earn it. We don't deserve it. But God, in his grace, in his goodness, offers it to us. And it's this free gift that God wants to offer to anyone here or anyone who's listening who hasn't received it yet. And it's this, is that, that God created everyone and everything, created it all good, created mankind after his image and his likeness. But man is fallen, has fallen into sin and disobeyed God. And because of man's disobedience, deserving of God's wrath. And God would be just to yeah, judge us in our sin and 
to cast us away from his presence for all of eternity. That's what's the destiny for anyone who does not turn from their sin and turn to Christ. But in his goodness and his loving kindness, he doesn't leave us in our sin. He doesn't leave us to figure it out on our own. He sends help. He sends his son to come, to live, to die, to be raised from the dead in our place for our justification, for our sanctification, as we're talking about this afternoon, and for our glorification one day, as we'll be with him. And he says, if you want to receive that, you have to turn away from your sin, turn away from all of the things that God hates and to trust him, to receive him by faith. And the Bible says once you do that, you can be saved. You can be cleansed. You can be forgiven of all of your sin, past, present, and future. This is the good news that is open to anyone who doesn't know Christ. This is the good news that us Christians, we keep feeding upon and feasting upon daily. It's our only hope. There is no other hope. We have no other hope but God. And the good news of Christ. So may we continue to hope in this good news. May we continue to be reminded that we need this good news. And that it's continuously shaping us, changing us, molding us. We're continuously learning and growing uh, in the gloriousness of this good news. May we rest in it. May we trust in it. May we Bear hug this truth. This is, a, this is a good news that we must bear hug daily. Some of us are coming in here way down. Some of us are coming in here or have come in here struggling with sin. Some of us have come in here so many different things going on. We need the good news right now. We need to yeah, believe this good news afresh this afternoon. So may we do that, Christian. May you do that. That's point one. Be assured that God began a good work in you. Here's the last point, number two. Be assured that God will complete the good work in you. Be assured that God will complete the good work in you. Listen to Philippians 1.6 again. It says, and I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You see, God is not like us. He's not like us. He doesn't start something and doesn't finish. If he were to, yeah, it, it just, just imagine with me now as I mention these few things about God. If he, if he were to start a house project, he doesn't start a house project and doesn't finish it, right? He doesn't start reading a book and does not finish it. He does not start a task of any kind and does not complete it. And it's the same way with this sanctification work. He started this sanctification work in all of us Christians. He will complete it. This is what scripture teaches about God. 1 Thessalonians 5 23 through 24 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. 
You believe that this afternoon, say that he who called you is faithful. He will surely do it. He will complete it. He's not like us. He doesn't start anything and doesn't finish it. He will complete this in us. Isn't this comforting news? It's comforting news for me. It's comforting news. It should be for all of us because guess what? God is not done with you yet. He's not done with you, Christian. He's not done with making you more like his son. He's devoted to making you more like his son. He will see the work through to the end, to the finality of it. Listen to Romans 8, 29-30 again and a few other passages. It says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Listen to Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, this Philippians 2 passage doesn't contradict anything that I've been saying. God's word doesn't contradict itself. So there's no contradiction in God's word. God is still sovereign in the entire work of salvation. But something I do want to add clarity on is the working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So what this means is there is an aspect to it where you, Christian, myself as a Christian, we are to cultivate our relationship with God. Like we are to Cultivated, we are to work at it, if you will, to have a healthy relationship with God. Like we are in a relationship with God, the God of the universe. We are in relationship with Him because you and I are in relationship with Him. There are particular things that you want to do, that you want to do, that you desire to do because you're in relationship with Him. It's like my marriage between me and Jess, right? There are things that I want to do with my wife because I'm in covenant relationship with her. I love her. And because I love her, I want to spend time with her. <clears throat> I want to learn more about her. I want to do the things that bless her and not hurt her. I want to honor her, right? Well, similarly with God, it's the same. Because we're in relationship with him, he saved us. You should love him. You should adore him. You should cherish him. You should want to spend time with him. To get to know him more. To do the things that bless God. That honor God. That don't dishonor him. So because that's all true... Because you have a relationship with him, you want to cultivate that. You want to read his word. He's given us 66 books of his word to know him, to believe and trust him, to know what his will is for our lives. It's right there in the Bible. We want to read that because we're in relationship with him. We're growing, we're learning, we're getting to know him more. 
There are things to know about God that we don't all know yet. <laughs> and there are things that we won't know until we get to heaven to be with him. But while we're on this side of heaven, we want to continue to cultivate that. We want to continue to spend time with him. To get to know him. To love him. To cherish him. To pray to him. To talk to him. That's what prayer simply is. But think about that for a second. You and I get to talk to the God of the universe. We have 24-7 access to him in communication through prayer. Like, this is, this is mind-boggling. This is the type of relationship that you and I have, Christian, that we get to come to the throne of grace with boldness, with confidence, daily. Why wouldn't you pray to a God like that? Why wouldn't you commute with a God like that? The only God. We want to kill sin in our lives. Because we, we, we know that God and sin aren't friends. Right? They can't be friends. God hates sin. And so the very sin in our lives, we want to rid ourselves of that sin. Right? As Sister Natasha read the passage in Leviticus, is that because God is holy, we are to be holy. He has made us holy at conversion, and he is continually making us holy, and that's what sanctification is, right? And so for us Christians, this is, this is where we are to be. This is who we should be and who we are grown to be. The reality of it is, is that we're not sinless, but we should sin less. That's sanctification, meaning... That when Jesus saved me in 2007, whenever he saved you all, the pattern of your sin should decrease. We all still struggle with sin. We're imperfect. We're, we're human. Jesus was the only one who was perfect. He's God. But there is a particular aspect to it where in growing with God, in growing in sanctification, in him growing us, those particular things start to decrease. We start to, to put it to death more. The same patterns or things of, of sin that had us entangled, we, we are no longer running after those things anymore. We're striving not to run after those things anymore. So we're not sinless, but we should sin less. There should be a, a, a greater awareness of this is icky, this is nasty, this is not good. Like, God doesn't want me to do these things. These things actually grieve Him when I do. I heard another pastor friend uh, in a sermon. It was a really good sermon he preached. He, was, he, he said something along the lines of, he said, he said again, and, and this goes to what we've been seeing even in Romans 8, right? Uh, that nothing can separate us from the love of God, right? So, so, so for you, Christian, for me, Christian, nothing can separate us, right? Our sin, nothing can separate us from God, but our sin can hinder our relationship with God. It can hinder it. And so just, just think about that for a moment. For all of us, what things should we be repenting to God for now? What, what sin did you come in here with? Or things that happened this week that has hindered, has strained your relationship even with God? 
What things are you holding on to and coddling that God wants you to let go fully, completely, so that your relationship with him could flourish deeper, more healthier for his glory? Think about those things. Repent of those things. Turn away from those things. God wants you to. That's his will for you. That's his design for you. That's his desire for you. For you to love him more and to hate your sin more. So these are the things that will help us grow in God. This is the sanctifying work that, that God does in us and through us when we are in relationship with him. These things are delights, not duties. Just like in a marriage. Here's the main point that Paul ends on in Philippians 2.13. He says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Just in case you thought that you're going to muster up strength or you're going to muster up works and you're going to do it in and of yourself, you're going to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. No, no, no. He makes it clear. No, it's, it's God who works in you. It's God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So work out your salvation, but be reminded that those particular things are connected to God who is working in you and through you to bring about the sanctification that you need and desire. This is what God is doing. His work. Like, yeah, you do all those things to go cultivate your relationship with God, but again, it's God who brings forth the growth for his glory. But for any of us struggling in our relationship with God this afternoon, or maybe you're like, yo, like I'm, I'm doing all these different things. I feel like I'm, I'm doing all these different things, or I'm trying to do all these different things, but I'm, I've, I've caught myself in a dry season. Like I'm reading the word, I'm praying, but I feel dry. I, I feel like I'm in a dry season right now. I just want to encourage you, if that is, whether you're struggling, Feeling like you're in a dry season? Be encouraged. Steph Curry, he keeps shooting the shots when he's having a rough shooting night, doesn't he? He keeps shooting the shots, and then at some point he gets hot and gets on fire, and they may win the game, or even if they lose the game, like he still ended up with a good shooting night potentially. Patrick Mahomes keeps throwing passes, right, when he's struggling to make good passes. He keeps throwing them. He keeps trying to find the receivers. He keeps trying to find those who are cutting in the pocket. He keeps throwing them. He doesn't stop throwing them. And essentially what I'm saying is, in other words, keep at it. Don't stop. Just because you're in a dry season, keep reading. Keep praying. Keep coming to church. Keep coming to your fellowship groups. Keep doing the things that God desires for you to do in the right relationship with him and in community that he has yeah, brought you in, keep doing those things because guess what? And you might know this to be true too. I found it that God still works in our struggling. God still works in our dry seasons. None of it is wasted. God doesn't waste anything. So be reminded of that and be encouraged if that's you this afternoon. This is what he promises to do. And he will fulfill this work in you. Well, when will he do that? When will he fulfill this work? You look at the text, it says, at the day of Jesus Christ. 
at the day of Jesus Christ. He will bring it to completion at the day of the Lord. What is the day of Jesus Christ referring to? Well, it's referring to Jesus' return, his second coming. Jesus is coming back. Paul, writing of this to the church at Corinth, he says this about God. 1 Corinthians 1 8 says, Who will sustain you to the end? Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 1 10. So that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5 2. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. This is what is being referred to here. We are in the already, but not yet. Right? This is where history is headed. The day of Jesus' return. Is anyone excited about Jesus returning? Is anybody excited about Jesus' return? I hope you are. I am. We should be. When he returns, we'll be completely and fully sanctified. There'll be no more sin, no more pain, no more suffering, no more death. We'll see Jesus face to face and worship him together. Ah, this will be a great day. This will be a glorious day. So towards that end, let me close with just a few ways to apply all of what's been said, all of what we've seen in our time together in God's Word this afternoon. Number one, God beginning this work in us as Christians should bring us to praise. This is what your response should be. When you think about the goodness of the Lord, when you think about all he's done for you, when you think about how he has saved you, it should bring you to praise. I mean, think about it again. This is the God of the universe who saved you and me. This should bring us to awe. This should bring us to continual awe and praise and worship unto God. He sovereignly saved you and me, sanctified you and me, and is sanctifying us. Maybe even for some, maybe for the first time. This is good news. <clears throat> number two, so that's number one. Number two, this should give us hope to know that God will complete what he started. This should give us hope to know that God will complete what he started. That he isn't done with making you and I more like Jesus. Your sin, your suffering, your struggles will not have the last say-so. The Son does. So stay encouraged. And through it all, know that God is conforming you more into the image of His Son. Paul says it elsewhere. He says, these momentary afflictions, these light and momentary afflictions are preparing for you and me an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. God is using all of this to shape you, to make you more like him. Trust him. Believe upon him. Hold tight to him. 
hold fast to him. It's making you more like Jesus. And that's what you want to be, right? You want to be more like Jesus. Number three. This should ready us. This should prepare us for his coming. Jesus is coming back. He's returning. He's coming back as 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 says, like a thief in the night. He will come swiftly. He will come soon. It could be tonight. Would you be found ready? Would you be found ready when he does? This is the, this is the whole aim of this application. It should ready us, prepare us to be found faithful servants when he comes. So in conclusion, as the team comes back up, God saves, he sanctifies, and he glorifies his people for his name's sake. Let's pray. God, thank you for this word. Thank you for this encouragement, this reminder, this challenge. Yeah, to be reminded that, that yeah, you began a good work in us and that you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I pray that you would do these very things, Lord. Help us to apply these things and, and much more in all of the ways that you see fit, Lord. Would you, would you help us to praise you for this salvation work? Would you give us hope for today, the rest of today, tomorrow as, as we are struggling with sin, we are suffering there's a lot going on give us hope to be reminded that you're not done with us, that you are still working in us and through us to make us more like yourself and that you're going to complete this work at the day of Christ when he returns and would you use that to ready us prepare us you are coming back. Help us not to be comfortable here. Help us not to be comfortable with the routine and the day-to-day -day and life here. This is not our home. You have prepared a better home for us. A glorious home. That's where we're headed. So help us not to stack up our treasures here treasures are to be in heaven. Help us to stack up our treasures there and be found ready when you come. Maranatha, we pray, come quick, Lord, come quick. We want to be with you, God. We want to see you face to face. Help us, Lord, towards that end. In Jesus' name.